0: Just so you know, this morning we were singing and reading some of Shirley's favorites. I was looking at I was looking at y'all in that last next to the last verse there, where it said "Happy," just to see who was smiling and who wasn't. So, it's sometimes it's kind of hard to smile when you're singing, but. You know, because it takes a lot of concentration, but you can do it. It, it, it. it can be done. So don't be shy. Smile when you sing. It's, you know, don't be fake about it, but, you know. I I, tell, I think I mentioned last week about the, the No Regrets conference that we had on Saturday and the guy that played the keyboard just had the biggest smile. I mean, from here to here, the whole time he was playing, every, every year, he's just happy. He's happy in his heart, and he's happy that he's praising Jesus. So um, hopefully we can be happy about the same thing, because we have the same Jesus, the Jesus that makes that guy smile, same Jesus that we have. Let's open in a word of prayer. Father, help us to slow down catch our breath, to take a pause. As we look into your word, open our eyes. Touch our hearts, Father. Give us understanding. Um, give us conviction about your words. Not just something we hear and then leave. Not something we just listen to pastor talk from the word and, and then we leave. Father, Father, we, we know that, that you're the only one that can change hearts, so Father, I ask that you would work today in ours, change our hearts, to be more loving to you, to be more loving to each other, and to be more selfless. Thank you for your word and, and the promise that it holds for us today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Yes, we're still in Nehemiah, but we're going to start in Philippians. Now, one thing to remember is that the book of Philippians was not written at the time Nehemiah was alive on this earth, and while he was carrying out his work, and yet here's a man that exemplified everything that we're going to read here in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. If therefore there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, Let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. Have the attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men." And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are under excuse me, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in much in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumblings or disputing, that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may have, glory, I may have cause to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. Let the mind of Christ be in you. Nehemiah, as, as the leader, as the, the man that God used to lead some of the Jews back to the to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls, had a humility about him. He, he didn't, um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, he, he didn't take advantage and use all of the benefits of being the governor that he could have. He, he would not have fit in well with our politicians of today. None of them. Because this man cared more about others than he cared about himself. He cared more about getting the work done that God had given him to do than about becoming rich himself. Taking advantage and using his position Quickly, 2 Timothy 2 2, and then we'll get to Nehemiah. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Real simple, basic concept. Dick and Bill, Don, Elwin, Mart, Jim, people of, of your age and generation, have a responsibility to pass down to the next generation. And then Dan and Josh, Jerry, uh, Cody, Steve. Who am I going to frame? I'm going to forget my own name here. We have a responsibility to pass it down to our children and then the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren. To pass down to them this concept, this principle of being selfless of letting Jesus Christ reign in our lives, of letting him sit on the throne and remain on the throne, and for us to understand that that we fall humbly beneath him, and that we do his bidding and his will and his work according to the way that he will move our hearts. As Nehemiah prayed that the Lord would move King Artaxerxes' heart. And as in Proverbs twenty-one, one, that it says that as as the river in the channel moves back and forth, that's how God moves people's hearts. That's how He moves kings' hearts. That's how He moves your heart if you will allow Him to. Nehemiah chapter five. We're going to get through Nehemiah five today. We tried last week. We were we were on target too, but. We had good testimonies from the No Regrets Conference and from the pastor's conference that Dick and I went to. The Lord had other plans last week, but today we're going to get into Nehemiah 5 and finish it. First, first uh, five verses, Nehemiah 5, we had a great outcry. There was a great outcry of the people. Even, even in, in that society, it wasn't the norm, but even the wives spoke up. Because you don't be, you don't come between the mama bear and her cubs, and the women were not having enough food to feed their children. So even though it was not the norm for the society back then, the woman spoke. The women spoke out. There was a great outcry because the Jews were taking advantage of other Jews. If you remember, we looked at Leviticus and Deuteronomy and and that. They were breaking the law. In verse uh, Nehemiah five six, it says, "Nehemiah, I was very angry. He he was very angry because the law was being broken that had been given in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. The law was being broken. The people were were charging each other other Jews interest. They were not to charge interest. Simple reason being that God said." I don't want you to get rich off of each other. I want to provide for you. I want you to see me provide for you. I want you to have faith and to depend on me, not on one another. So there was a great outcry because people were had, had lost all their money. They lost all their land to pay the taxes and to buy food because there was a famine. And now they were even losing their children to slavery, to other Jews, which ought not to be. And so... We had the great outcry, and, and then in the next several verses, uh, six through thirteen, Nehemiah. There was a great assembly where he called them out. Excuse me, he didn't follow the the, the proper uh, uh, managerial skills of today, where you you praise in public and you punish in private. He, he wasn't too concerned about that. He wasn't trying to win supervisor of the year or anything. He called them out and he rebuked them in public and said, repent of your sin. And they did and they were ready and willing to turn to, back, to, back to doing it according to the law. Unfortunately, not until they were called out, but they, they got there. They came back to, to uh, they, gave the, they gave the children back, the slaves back. They gave the people their land back so that they could live and exist. So we get down to verse 14 of Nehemiah chapter 5. Moreover, from that day I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah from the 20th year of the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes for 12 years. Neither I nor my kinsmen had eaten the governor's food allowance. Have any of you ever been laid off from a job? Let go? Maybe been demoted because the company was downsizing, so you didn't lose your job, but you were able to you were able to stay with the company, but you had to take a lower position. You you took a pay cut. Make you feel good about yourself? Kind of demoralizing, isn't it? It breaks you down. How do you deal with that? How do you struggle? You got to pay bills to pay, mouths to feed. Being demoted is is a difficult thing. Somebody has has said that for every 100 people that can handle that and persevere and press on and press through and see the light at the other side, there might be one that can handle the promotion well. Handling a promotion, although it, it doesn't sound right, it sounds backwards. But handling a promotion can be tougher and more difficult than handling a demotion or losing a job. That doesn't sound right, Pastor. Are you sure? You sure? Yeah. We're going we're gonna to look at uh, four, four Ps today. Privileges that come with promotions. Policies of your predecessors. Projects to be done and people need a leader. Once you, um, one of the, the commentaries I was reading, the, the fellow said he, he was preaching on Nehemiah and he came, came to this passage and he, and he had a fellow come up after him and he says, you know, he says, I've recently been promoted to a, to a high level executive position with the company I work with. And he said, there has never been such temptation to sin in my life. Because of his promotion, he was traveling a lot more for the company. So he would be out of town. He would take air, airlines to faraway cities and be put up in hotels. And he says, you would not believe the opportunities that are presented to me because of my position now, because of my promotion. My, my company trusts me with more privacy, traveling on my own to take care of work business. And he says, but the temptation, it's a constant struggle. It's a constant struggle. So he says, yeah, there's things about a promotion that are nice, he said, but it can be very, very difficult as well. So are, are, are you a man or a woman of integrity? Not only can your company trust you, but can God trust you? So the opportunities that a promotion can present can be can be a real spiritual and moral struggle. Psalm seventy five. Says, Do not lift up your own horn, do not speak with insolent pride, for not from the east nor the west nor from the desert comes exaltation, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. So Nehemiah was, was mindful of that. He, he's At the very end of the chapter here, it might sound like he's tooting his own horn, but in his prayer to the Lord, he's, he's humbling himself and acknowledging where it's coming from. But we're, not, we're not to toot our own horn. We're not to, to uh, put ourselves on a pedestal. Nehemiah was willing to accept as he, as he had been there for 12 years and then is appointed to, to be the governor of the people in Judah there including uh, Jerusalem, the city where they were working. He said, neither I nor my kinsmen have eaten the governor's food allowance. They had every right. They had every right to eat from the governor's food allowance. Verse 15, but the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants domineered the people but I did not do so. He's a, here's a leader that cares about the people because he understands that even if he were to take what is justly his, is that it would be a burden on the people. They, they were already, we see the, from the outcry in the first five verses, we already see that they're under a lot of pressure and stress. So Nehemiah says, I'm not going to take the governor's allowance. I'm not going to take what is rightfully and justifiably mine because I don't want to burden the people any more than they already have been. So he and his he and his men did not take advantage of those privileges, special benefits and he had every right to, to use them but his predecessors had abused them to the point that the people were, were in a bad spot. And Nehemiah had a heart for the people, and he wanted to make it right. He wanted them to be able to press forward without looking back, without looking down, without looking at their circumstances and and wallowing in that and just existing. He didn't want them to just exist. He wanted them to move forward, to live in victory, to have uh, the the confidence to, to do the work and to get the work done that was before them. Verse 15 again says, but the former governors, and that's our second, we've got the privileges that come with promotion, but the policies of the predecessors. Just because a leader puts something in place does not necessarily mean it's right or ethical or even legal. The the previous governors, they had the right to, to take the to take the allowance the governor's allowance they had the right to do that they didn't have the right to abuse it the burden was on the people and they took from them the, the, the bread and the wine and, the, and silver and it says even their servants domineered so you got the governor's servants going out and abusing the people Taking advantage of, of what they could. How wrong is that? And how demeaning is that to the people when somebody technically in a sense in the society is in a position lower than you, but because you work they work for the, the governor, they can come and take whatever they want that you have. It's not right. It's not a matter of being concerned for the people or caring for the people. Well, why didn't Nehemiah do that? Why didn't he allow his servants to do that? At the end of verse 15, I did not do so because of the fear of God. Think back to Philippians chapter 2 and the humility to put others before ourselves in every aspect of our lives. That isn't something that we naturally have in our hearts. It's not something we naturally want to do. But if we have the fear of God in our hearts and in our lives that's something that will should almost become natural to us as we let Jesus control and take over who we are and how we deal with other people verse 16 for I also applied myself to the work on this wall we did not buy any land and all my servants were gathered there for the work there were projects to be done the work on the wall had to continue. But if you, if you look at those words, uh, in verse 16, we did not buy any land. Nehemiah was not about getting rich. He was not concerned with his own pocketbook. He was not concerned with building up his own wealth because of the position that he had when so many governors before him would. and, and Well, we know what our politicians do these days. I'd be curious to know if in the last hundred years we've ever had any, any politician not get rich off of what they do. There's probably been a couple. Probably not many, though. Probably count them on one hand. Because they took the position they were in and used it to their advantage, to their financial advantage. And again, just like the, like the Jews were doing to each other and, and hurting their own people. People in these kind of positions generally don't care who they step on. They don't generally care what they got to do as long as they get ahead, as long as they get richer off it. So we didn't buy any land. And all my servants were gathered there for the work. My servants weren't out trying to oppress the people and take advantage like other governor's servants had. Moreover, they were at my table, 150 Jews and officials, besides those who came to us from the nations that were around us. i got to keep reading here because it all fits in together. A couple more verses. Now that which was prepared, verse 18, for each day was one ox, six choice sheep. Also birds were prepared. One in ten days all sorts of wine were furnished in abundance. Yet for all this I did not demand the governor's food because the servitude was heavy on this people. It's said that, One oxen and six sheep were were about, it was enough food to feed about 500 people every day. 150 of them, it, it talks about 150 Jews and officials. So that means about 350 people came in off the street. Servants, other people that he was willing to feed from his own resources. He was not taxing the people on this, and, and the source of his all of his wealth was probably from the fact that he had been the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. We know that King Artaxerxes was generous when he left and gave him letters for for the wood for the gates. He talks about this being a twelve year a twelve year period. That would have been about four thousand three hundred eighty oxen and six sheep a day for twelve years is twenty six thousand two hundred eighty sheep. That dude had some good sized flocks. Obviously, they hopefully replenished themselves somewhat over the years, but still, that's a lot of sheep. Well, where did where did why was this man so wealthy? Because he humbled himself before God. God provided, and he didn't have to lay the burden on the people. Pause for a moment, look at Solomon. One of the wisest men on the earth, and, and by far, probably the richest in, in his time to, to, to ever live. They said his salary was on the average of about $20 million, what would be today $20 million a year. Back then, that was a heap of dough. What did it lead to? It led to him saying, "Vanity of vanities, all is vanity." He immersed himself in in sin. Thousand, well, what seven hundred wives, three hundred concubines, or did I flip that? I flip it. Yeah, a thousand women. Anyhow, crazy man, absolute idiot. He took on and worshiped their gods. Took their idols and made them his gods. By the end of his life, he was a wreck. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, a a, a disaster. There's someone that did not handle the promotion well. He took advantage of his position but he got sidetracked. He took his eyes off the goal. He didn't stick with the projects at hand. He didn't stick to taking care of God's people. He became totally focused on himself. Solomon couldn't handle the promotion. So yeah, but I sure would love trying. Hmm. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. What a mess, what a mess he was. Solomon had a, or excuse me, Nehemiah had a love for God's people because he had a fear of God. He kept his his eyes on the projects and, and kept pressing forward to get the work done. People, you, we have the privileges, the policies, the projects, and the people. The people need a leader. They need a leader that, that loves the Lord. They need a leader that wants what God wants for them. need a leader that isn't concerned about enriching himself or herself at the expense of the people. The people need a humble servant, a humble leader. One that adheres to Philippians chapter 2 and esteems other people higher than themselves. It's the kind of man that Nehemiah was. Again, in chapters 4, 5, and 6, we're looking at the the weapons that Satan would use against the Christians and God can turn and use those weapons and make them tools to help build the build wall, to help build a stronger Christian. And where Satan wants to use selfishness to tear us down and to break down the relationships in the church, God would rather us be selfless to love others more than ourselves, to put others before us, to care for them. One, because of our love of God and our fear of God, of who he is. We know that he sets up and takes down. Previously, we've looked in some of the Psalms, or just very blatantly says, God makes the poor poor and he makes the rich rich. It's under his control. He's in charge of that. So, where are you on that spectrum? Are you willing to accept where God has you from the poor poor to the rich rich? We're all in there somewhere in between. And wherever you are on that spectrum, you're there because God put you there. I don't know if you remember, but we we, we said that in, in that one verse in, in Psalms that the poor one well, the, the five principles of how um, God is pleased when we handle his money wisely. But the rich can't make themselves rich. And the poor can't make themselves poor. But the poor can't make themselves rich no matter how hard they try. And the rich can't make themselves poor no matter how hard they try unless it's God's will. Because God's got you on that spectrum where he wants you. And where he wants you to be to learn to love Him and to learn to love one another. Being demoted is tough, but promotion can be even tougher. Teaches us to wait on the Lord. Teaches us to depend on Him, just like the, the Jews weren't supposed to charge interest from other Jews. They could for Somebody, an alien or somebody from another country, if they lent them money, they were welcome to charge interest then. But God didn't want them charging interest against each other because he wanted them to rely and depend on him. We need to rely and depend on Jesus Christ for all of our needs, spiritual, emotional, physical. He cares for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Nehemiah and the example that he was. We thank you for his example. And just as 2 Timothy 2.2 says that each of us needs to pass down to the next generation that faithfulness, that trust in God, that love of God, that fear of God, that it's to be passed from one generation to the next. Father, teach us to humbly do that so that there won't be a gap in generations. We seem to be lacking in our country that some some have already missed that boat. But Father, teach us to be faithful. Teach us to esteem other people higher than ourselves. And above all, help us to put you first, Father. Help us to live according to your word. And to do that, we need to know it. We need to be in it. We need to dig to find the treasure. And we thank you for your word. And again, we thank you for Nehemiah's example of being a good leader, not abusing his authority or position. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.